Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Okay, I want to jump in here uh, with our second part of the book of Daniel. David shared last week to kick us off, did a great job. I heard the message. Thank you, David, for that. By the way, David, he's just uh, such an amazing guy. If you guys haven't gotten a chance to, to know David, get to know him. He's, uh, he's a remarkable person. He's been here since 2008 as a pastor here on staff, as the worship leader and, and a pastor. He started several of the ministries here, really has been so crucial and instrumental in building this fellowship and serving and pastoring so many people. And he's so gifted. He's one of these guys that God just dumped a bunch of gifts on. He really did. He's, he's one of these guys that's so good at everything he does. I'm really grateful for him and his friendship. And um, Okay, the Bible is this remarkable gift God's given to us. And Lord, help. In Jesus' name, Amen. He's given us this amazing book full of stories, of history, of poems, of instruction, of correction, of prophecy, of the future, of songs, of all these things. And we need to know and to hear and to read what is in here. Uh, Without it, people go haywire, right? You go off without the guidance, without moral direction and a moral compass and what's right and what's wrong. Everything gets all messed up. And I'm so grateful that the Lord gave us the person Daniel and the book of Daniel as instruction and encouragement and to show us today, that's relevant today, how to live, how to conduct our lives, ways that we can live and ways that we shouldn't live. We see some of that, some of David shared some of that related to King Nebuchadnezzar last week with the pride that he had. We see all these things so we can learn and grow. And this isn't just to share knowledge. So in my heart, uh, and it's in our staff's heart, that we help grow and point you to be connected so intimately with the King of Kings and that you would, and that we all would grow up to mature people in him that can not only live and thrive in this moment, but in all the moments yet ahead of us. Daniel is one of these books that helps prepare us for what's ahead, helps to show us how to live right now as well. And it is, it is crucial. I mean, I, I, when, as I read some of these things and what he talks about, because he got prophecy and pictures of what will happen in the future. It says that the end time which is, I believe we're right on the cusp of, if we're not already in it, the end times and what things that are going on. And he shows us how to live, how to think, how to behave. And uh, I'm so thankful for this. So let's dive into some of this. And as we look at the life of Daniel, we're looking at a life of a man who was fully devoted to God. That's one of the key things that stands out when when you think of Daniel. Fully devoted to God. His heart, his mind, his body, his actions fully devoted to God. He is not budging one inch from his devotion to God, regardless of his situation, regardless of his his circumstances, or how people treat him. He did not allow people, and this is a huge lesson, he did not allow the mistreatment from others to change the course of his life. That's a big one, because most people 
don't make that one. That one tends to, you get mistreated and we can get bitter and angry and do all kinds of things that aren't the direction we're supposed to be going. Daniel didn't allow that to happen. He stayed focused. He, he stayed devoted to God. And I feel like, and even talking about Daniel, that I'm talking about one of my good friends. I know that sounds strange maybe. But uh, Daniel, this book and the person has been so important. I can't wait to meet him, actually. Uh, we'll get to, I'll, I'll get to meet him at one, one point. But his life has been such an inspiration to me. When I went into government service many years ago in 1990, that's 31 years ago, um, they put me undercover right away. I didn't know that was going to happen. They gave me another name. The name they gave me was Daniel. I'm not supposed to say that. That was the name they gave me. And, um, and since that moment, as I would read this book, this guy serving in the government, it has been such an inspiration to me. Even the motto here, uh, which Josh shared, to know God, to take action, comes from Daniel chapter 11, when God is speaking to Daniel and telling him about those saints in the end days. This is how they're going to overcome. This is how they're going to live, by knowing God, taking action. And then it talks about using our wisdom to explain what's going on. And so this has been a key of, for my life and for us for a long time, found in this book, hidden in this treasure of the book of Daniel. A uh, little bit of background, as you know, probably already, but Daniel was taken from his home by King Nebuchadnezzar, ripped away from his family, from his home. Maybe his family came with him. We don't know any of the details related to his family, but he was taken hundreds of miles to Babylon. I mean, this is, this is like going to the worst place. If you, are, if you were a Christian, taken to a place that's a communist or something like completely opposite of all of your culture and the God that you serve. Nebuchadnezzar served a completely different God, little g God, one that's not real, but it was his God. Daniel gets taken there. His name gets changed, which I can identify with that. His name got changed immediately, and he was named after Nebuchadnezzar's God. How'd you like that one? Belshazzar. That would be lousy. You get named after some of you, are named after a Hindu God or something. That'd just be horrible. People call you that all the time. But you don't find Daniel complaining about that. He sets his mind instantly to honor the king that he's now serving that ripped him away from his home, took him away from everything that was surrounding him, made him learn a new language, gave him a new name, and he just is gonna honor, honorably and faithfully serve this guy. Incredible, the heart of this man, Daniel. Extraordinary is actually the word that the angels use when they come to visit him and to give messages to him. They said, you're in a man with an extraordinary spirit, extraordinary spirit, and he really does have one. And Daniel sees that exile of the nation to Babylon had to do with their own sin. So he wasn't blaming God. That's another big lesson from the book of Daniel, from the life of Daniel, is not blaming God. He sees somehow, and you find later on in the chapters I'm not going to talk about today, that he recognizes that it was sin that got them where they were. But he also recognizes that God has a plan. He's not leaving us. 
He's got a plan for his life. He's got a plan for the nation's life. And we're gonna, they just have to get through this 70 years of exile. But he is going to live fully to God, but he's also gonna serve with wholeheartedness the king that he is kind of chained to in a way. And he doesn't get bitter. He doesn't complain. And I think one of the lessons from Daniel is that regardless of our condition or what's happening in the world or surrounding us or the corporation you're a part of or whatever, evil tends to kind of encroach around you that it is temporary. We see through the entire book of Daniel, I'll hopefully get to talk about some of this, is God promises deliverance and he also promises that things will change. There's always hope. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of hope. And though the enemy may do some things for a little while, it's not gonna last. You see that theme over and over and over throughout this entire book. So let's jump into chapter five. I'm gonna go through this pretty quickly. Chapter five takes up with King Nebuchadnezzar is now passed and his son Belshazzar is now the king. Belshazzar, son of Nebuchadnezzar, throws a large party for a thousand of his nobles. That's quite the party. Party with a thousand of his nobles. He has gold and silver goblets brought in that his father had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So these are Israeli Jewish goblets, gold, silver, and he's got all his nobles drinking out of them, almost like, yeah, we conquered those guys and we're, we're amazing, everything we've done. And then he starts to praise the gods of silver and gold, which don't exist, but he's praising them. And as he starts to praise false gods, Verse five of chapter five says, suddenly the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. And then the king's face grew pale and his thoughts alarmed him and his hip joints went slack and his knees started knocking together. Can you imagine this? Even right now, okay, in a moment, I'm talking, and all of a sudden, a hand, a giant hand appears, not connected to a body, just a hand, and starts writing on the wall where the light is. I mean, we would all be paying attention. The party stops, and fear grips. He doesn't know what it says. There's now an inscription on the wall. Looked like Elvish or something, probably, but it's, I think it was an Aramaic. He doesn't know what it means, but he is afraid. He says, uh, get my magicians and all these guys, and let's see who can interpret this. They come in, they can't interpret it. The queen comes in. She wasn't there initially. She comes in and she says, there's a guy who can interpret this. His name's Daniel. And so they bring him in. And the king says, if you can interpret this, I'll give you riches and all this. He said, keep your riches for yourself, but I will interpret. And he says several things, starting with verse 22. He said, you, his son, <clears throat> he speaks to the king, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all of this. And all of this is the history he just shared with him. He shares with him, you remember your dad, you remember how he was 
He grew in pride and God humbled him. And he had the mind of a cow for a long time, for seven years. And you knew all of this. And you knew that there is one God. And you knew the truth, but you didn't humble your heart, even though you knew all of this. Instead, you have praised the gods of silver and gold, but the God in whose hand are your life breath and all of your ways you have not glorified. And then he interprets it and he says, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. You have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. That's a, that's a rough one. Your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and the Persians. That same night, this king, King Belshazzar, breathes his last breath and he dies. That interpretation happened that day. Interpretations don't always happen that moment. It did that time, happened that day. And it reminds me of something Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. He said, to whom much is given, remember that, much is required. So Belshazzar had a front row seat to his father's life, having watched his pride, his fall, his restoration, the way that he lived, yet he didn't learn the lesson. And he ends up walking in the same path. You and I, as we watch people, the mistakes of others, it's a, an education for us. And we wanna make sure that when we watch the mistakes of others, that what doesn't come out of us is criticism, but instead, I want to make sure that I don't do the same thing. There's other scriptures about that. Lest we too shall fall into the same type of thing. Bel Belshazzar didn't learn that. He walked in the same steps of his father. Really sad. And then he, he dies. We don't want pride to drive us like Belshazzar or his father. And it's interesting to me that you've heard the idiom, the writing is on the wall. You know where that came from? This story, this biblical story, a lot of idioms that we use in the world actually come from the Bible, and this is one of them. The writing is on the wall. The uh, description of the end of your kingdom and your life really is at hand, happened right here. Okay, and then in chapter six of Daniel, just what Daniel prophesied happens, there's now a Persian king, Darius, and Daniel's continued to be promoted. He's one of the three commissioners over the entire area that they are ruling. And this is a huge area. I want to just put this up here, just give you an idea of the context of the area. This is big. This is Africa in the far left, all the way down into Africa. You're talking about all the way to India. Up above there, it looks like Uzbekistan and the stands, the stands up there, all the way over through Turkey into Greece. That's a huge kingdom that Daniel is one of three leaders of. He has been promoted from exile, basically slave, a little bit like Joseph's story. He is promoted and his gifts are making room for himself, bringing him before the kings for sure. Interesting as I was looking at this too, just a side note, this is a map of the satellite coverage of where this message and all the messages that are shared here go in the world. It's covers all of that kingdom plus more of, even more of Europe. Isn't that amazing? So the same area that Daniel was in, that these kings are in, we have this incredible opportunity. It's just incredible. For those who don't know, we edit these messages 
They go to, and we'll have to edit this part out, and then they go to Turkey, and they get translated. My voice gets, and the worship, we put some worship in there too, and there's subtitles in Persian, Farsi. My voice gets turned into Farsi, and then it gets sent in the uplink to the satellite, and the people where it's illegal to hear the gospel, to have a Bible, well, your life is at stake if you are a Christian. They get to watch this message as well as a lot of others um, that are broadcasting. They're the fastest growing church, fastest growing group of Christians in the world is in Iran, in Persia, right now. So this is the area that we get influence in right now, but this is the area where Daniel was at the time. So he rises, he's doing really well, and then he's doing so well that the Darius decides he's going to promote him as number one, number one guy like Joseph over the whole region. But jealousy emerges in the other two guys, and they go, we want that spot. We don't want Daniel to have it. So they um, concoct a plan, they create a plan to accuse Daniel. And they have the king, they trick him. They have him sign something. He says, if anybody prays to any other god but you, then they'll throw in the lion's den and Darius signs it. And then, of course, it says that as soon as Daniel heard this was signed, here's what he did. He opened his door so everybody could see that he's going to continue to pray three times a day. He was not afraid of that one bit. I love that about Daniel, too. He is not afraid of his faith. He's not afraid of his devotion you know, to the Lord. He's going to keep doing what he's doing every day. He's going to keep doing that. So these guys see him do it. They go to the king and they say, look what you signed. Daniel, he doesn't, he's not obeying you. And the king's heart was broken. And it says he worked to try and free Daniel, but he couldn't because of the, the law that was signed. And so the king threw him in the lion's den. And if you've been in church for many years, usually only hear this story in kids' church. But this is a very adult story. <laughs> Getting thrown into a lion's den, a den full of lions. And it says that right as the king threw him in there, here's, he looks at Daniel and he says this. He says, your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. Daniel's thrown in the den, and then it says they roll a huge stone over the front of the cave. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Someone going into a tomb, basically, with a stone rolled in front. Daniel is, has some, really some, is a picture of Jesus in several ways. This is, happens to be one of them. The king didn't sleep all night. At the break of dawn, he ran to the den. He cried out with a loud voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel spoke to the king, the very king that threw him in the lion's den, by the way, though he knew his heart. He said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also toward you, O king. I have committed no crime. They roll the stone away. Daniel comes out fully alive, not harmed, not a scratch. A miracle, God sending his angel to shut the mouths of lions. 
And so the king then throws the people who accused him and their families in the lion's den. They didn't have the same protection. And there were some bones that were crunched. And then Darius says, he makes a decree throughout all of his territory. Daniel 6, 26, it says, In all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. Talk about making God's name great through one man's life. Making the name of God great through one man's life. I, that's one of my prayers that I think of often that I pray often. You probably do too. I want to make your name great, God. I want to make your name great. I want your name to be made great through my life and through everything that happens in my life. And all that I say, let, I want you to be lifted up. I want you to be lifted up. For he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. Verse 27, he delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. That gets sent out through the whole kingdom. And Daniel enjoys his uh, position, his influence, and he continues to just be a man of integrity all the way through. And you know, this also speaks to me of the importance of you and I living our life out loud and not just secretly. Daniel's life, his prayer life, and I'm not saying being don't be religious. I'm not saying that. Please don't be religious. I'm not saying to brag on yourself. I'm not talking about that. But to not be ashamed of who we serve and to let your light shine would be the words of Jesus to us. To shine wherever we are. Daniel was a shining one in his time and in his place. And we need people like Daniel in every area of life. Every realm of society needs Daniels. We need some teachers who are Daniels right now in the education system, right? We need nurses and doctors. We need lawyers. We need CEOs. We need people in government, in po the political realms. Desperately, in every area, we need Daniels, and you are those Daniels. You are. Whatever your realm of influence, as you are devoted to God fully, as you live for him, as you shine brightly, as you don't back up, God will take care of you. As you make his name great, he will support you, even if there's temporary hardship, temporary difficulties. Man, when we love the Lord and we love other people, when we know God and take action, I just would encourage you guys to, uh, whether it's getting on school boards and standing up for what's right. I mean, Throughout right now, and I would say throughout history, but in this land, in our, in our current situation, our country, you have the minority with the loud voices who are changing things that don't need to be changed. Things that they're changing in many ways are what would be called evil, they're now calling good, right? It's like trying to flip-flop things, which there's a curse with that, according to Isaiah, and we need those with voices, those with heart, those not with anger, not with bitterness, but with truth and love. We are here to be lights, to be Daniels everywhere that we are. And then in chapter seven, it changes here. The first six chapters of Daniel are basically all story. It's the story of Daniel's 
life and these other guys and kings. Then the last six chapters of Daniel, there are 12 chapters in Daniel, the last six chapters are visions and dreams that God gives to Daniel and the interpretation of them. And they all have to do with, well, current time for him as well as into the future beyond where we are even. So he, he gets his downloads of visions. And, uh, and it's, a, it's not only incredible, but it's applicable for us today. So chapter seven actually goes back in time to the first year of Belshazzar's reign when Daniel was serving him and he was still alive and he hadn't died yet. The writing on the wall hadn't happened yet. And in the first year, it says in chapter seven, first year of Belshazzar's reign, that God began speaking to Daniel. Up to this point, he'd been interpreting other people's dreams. And then it changes. All of a sudden, God starts giving Daniel all this revelation, and he doesn't have the interpretation for what he's receiving. There are angels that he ends up asking, what does this mean? Gabriel's one of them, starts interpreting these visions that Daniel gets. And he gets these, in, these robust, spectacular, scary visions. The one he gets in chapter seven has to do with four great beasts. The first one looks like a lion with wings like an eagle. The second one's like a bear with three ribs in its mouth. The third one's like a leopard with four wings and four heads. Then the fourth one is terrifying. He doesn't have an animal to describe it like. And it really rattles Daniel. He said it is so terrifying, it's got 10 horns on it with these iron teeth, and it is doing a lot of damage. As you read in this chapter, Daniel then says to the angel standing by, explain this to me. I don't understand. Tell me more about this fourth creature, which I think the three creatures he saw first speak of the kingdoms that have already been in the past. But this fourth one is the I would say like an antichrist type of creature uh, toward the end. In fact, the, the angel explains to him, this is the one that is at the end of days. This is the one that's there. So there's revelation that God gives Daniel that, is, that mirrors in many ways what God gave the apostle John in the book of Revelation. So many of the details are really, really similar. And you see that we're, they're talking about the same thing as the Lord is reinforcing and helping us know what's coming but also how to get through it, how to live secure in God, how to stay fully devoted, how to shine, but also to how, how to have hope regardless of how difficult it gets. In the middle of this chapter, verse 9, it says the ancient of days. It takes a, a break from the vision that he sees these creatures. And all of a sudden, he sees the ancient of days, which is another name for the Father. He sees the Father in heaven sitting on his throne. And the father says, let's open the book, which is also talked about in Revelation, about once the books are open, which Jesus opens the book. And then in verse 13 of this chapter, after talking about the father sitting on his throne, it says, one like a son of man was coming, having been given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. One like a son of man. Who's the son of man? Who? Jesus called himself that over, and it's how he referred to himself when he was on, on the earth. He said, the son of man did this, and the son of man did that. He's speaking of himself. Daniel sees the son of man. He sees the father, and then he sees the son. One like the son of man, having been given dominion, glory, and the kingdom. All the people's nations and men of every language might serve him. 
His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. And his kingdom is on which will not be destroyed. Daniel sees that the kingdom of Jesus will last forever and God will do away with that nasty creature. In the next chapter, it also talks about that. But let me read a a few of these verses. Verse 18, one of my favorite verses in the whole book of Daniel. As he's disturbed about this, but then the angel starts to speak to him. He says this, but the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. There's a kingdom that will take the place of every other kingdom that's ever existed. And the saints of that kingdom will receive it and they'll possess it forever. That's you and I. We can't even picture it right now. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, it's interchangeable wording for the same thing, is received, it's not earned, it's possessed though, it's here, it's inside of us according to Luke 17, but it's also coming yet in its fullness. There's a lot to this kingdom of heaven, but Daniel sees it and he sees it's the son of man's kingdom that we receive and the saints will possess it forever. And the enemy, it will overcome everything that the enemy is trying to do and will do in the future. There is hope in that. As Daniel asks about this fourth beast, and the angel explains to him, he says this about the fourth beast. He says, he will speak out against the most high and wear down the saints of the highest one. I'm telling you what, this is one of the things that is uh, something for us to always learn from is when you feel worn down. That's the enemy. That's part of what the enemy tries to do to the saints, to wear you out and to wear you down. That's why Jesus said in John 15, here's a secret of life. Abide in me. He said, abide in my love. Do not leave this place. And when you come to me, give me what you have and I'll give you what I have, which is peace, which is rest for your soul, where weariness is taken away. So the solution, even for the weariness that the enemy will bring and tries to bring in our lives every day, is to continually come back to Jesus. Continually come back to Jesus. To die to ourselves, to live in him, to abide in his love, to abide in him, to receive from him and to give him the things that are heavy, that are weary, all the things that the enemy slings at us. Give those to the Lord. We gotta give those away and not... Try and bear them and bear them and bear them. It'll wear us out. Jesus is the answer for the wearingness. I don't think that's a word. That the enemy slings at us. And some more on that, verse 25. And he will intend to make alterations, speaking of the fourth beast, in times and in law. The enemy's gonna try and mess with all the rules, all the law. And in times, you can see those things already beginning really in our our country and in the world. And they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. Many believe this speaks of a 42-month period that this fourth beast, this fourth creature, this fourth kingdom or ruler will have dominion in some ways over even the saints for a while. But it's a short-lived time. And then, I love what the Bible says, 
that without human agency, his dominion will go away. God will deal with that, just like he shut the mouths of the lions. The Lord will deal with whatever the enemy comes up with. He is gonna take care of it. And so we'll need to just stay persevering, overcoming, as it says uh, really in Daniel and in Revelation. And the angel says, Daniel, what I'm giving you is a picture of the end days, the end times. And in every difficulty and in every evil that comes to this earth, it's never a surprise to God, ever. And he's always planned, just as the vision that he gave Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2, of the small stone that hits the clay and becomes a great mountain. The kingdom of heaven will take over. The kingdom of heaven will grow. The kingdom of heaven will not stop, cannot decrease or be overcome. It will go and grow forever and ever. And you and I are sons and daughters of that kingdom. We should always be encouraged with that. And then in chapter 8, Daniel sees another vision, but he sees two beasts this time, a ram and a male goat. He sees them colliding and one taking over. And then that's where the Lord, or the angel says to him that all these things that the enemy's gonna do, God's gonna take care of it without human agency. God will do what we can't do. He will fix what we can't fix. And the imagery throughout the book of Daniel, and even the chapters ahead that we're not to yet, Where the enemy rises up, the Lord rises up even stronger, crushes what the enemy plans to do, and the Lord's plans, the Lord's way, the Lord's will, the Lord's kingdom will grow and grow in power and majesty. Jesus will rule. We get to rule with him. There's always hope. The handwriting is on the wall every time for the enemy and for his plans, and the Lord will bring an end to all the stuff of the enemy. Okay. There's four books in the middle of Daniel. And I just want to pray for us as we go. And I think the things to take away from this is almost, a, uh, for me, a recommitment of my heart, my devotion to the King of Kings in every time, in every season, and whatever gets slung at us, whatever gets thrown at us, whatever comes up, whatever accusation comes, that we don't take that personally, that we don't let it stick, and that we give our lives to the Lord all the time, repeatedly, over and over and over. And and we're looking for opportunities. How can I shine? Lord, would you give me interpretation to what's going on for those that are over me? And let me bless the king or the ruler or the boss or the person that doesn't like me. Let me bless them. Let me honor them. Let me be that type of a person that has an opposite spirit, an extraordinary spirit. So Lord, we just pray that right now that we would be the Daniels of our time. Those that know you and take action, those that are found by you as being faithful, full of integrity, honoring those that are leading our lives right now, that we would bless them and speak blessings in their direction. Lord, I thank you that you've given us um, a map and a way forward through everything now and ahead into the future, that the future is secure in your hands, our future, our days ahead, secure in your hand, that when difficult times come, when evil encroaches, that it will be short-lived, 
your name, just like you helped Israel when they were in exile, you yet you brought them back, you gave them their place. Again, you restored, you are the restorer. And Lord, I ask that you'd help each of us today, tomorrow, next week, next month, the years ahead, to stay fully devoted in heart to you. Lord, I pray that weariness will be broken off of every person, that we would find our strength, our rest in you and your spirit. We love you, Lord. And I thank you for every one of these people, for their lives, for drawing them not only here, but causing them to be alive in this day, in this time, in this moment in history, in this nation. Lord, let us be a light to the nations. Let us be a light to our neighborhoods. Lord, I pray that there would always be hope. In the moment that we feel hopeless, that we would break that thought off, that we would arrest that thought and throw it from us. Lord, I pray for hope to arise every day inside of us. As we thank you for your loving kindness in the morning, and we thank you for your faithfulness every evening, and that you will take us all the way through, that you have this great plan and you've saved us to be born for this moment that we would get to be a part of this generation. Shine through us, Lord. Bring revival to the hearts of those in our country and around the world. Save the lost. Heal the sick. Heal the wounded. Set free every prisoner. Lord, use us with boldness. Use us with boldness. Give us courage to be like Daniel that would open his door and pray as he always does even when the world sees them and accusation comes our way. Lord, I pray that we would have boldness. Give us that boldness that you gave the, the uh, disciples after Pentecost. Give us that courage. Lord, I ask that you'd show us too things to be involved with, places to have influence in where we can be lights and not shy away, not to be timid or fearful. And I thank you for your spirit that lives inside of us. I bless all of these here. Lord, we again give you this property and the closing and all that ahead this week too. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.